We shall be reading from the book of Proverbs, chapter 29 and verse 18. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Happy New Year. God is good. So we're still on the series of the core values of this church, and you will find that at the back page. And um, we will, this will be connected to our church community and to leadership, and in almost every part of it. Um, the title of today's message, I have two titles. I have one title here, uh, which is Vision and Scripture. That's my second title, but in your bulletin, you see there the vision, the people, and the law, because these are key elements you find in the verse. May we read that again, the verse, Proverbs 29, verse 18, and we will be reading from the ESV, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Now, let this stay here for a while. One would observe that ancient Hebrew poetry often used parallelism. Parallelism occurs when the second line conveys the same meaning to the first line or of the first line. Now, this verse shows this. The first line, well, warns people going wild or perishing. In one translation, without a vision, people perish. Or going wild or chaos or unrestrained, having no restraint. So that's the first line. Where there is no prophetic vision, in some translations, it's simply vision. Without a vision, the people are unrestrained or there's no self-control, or they just do what they want to. And that is chaotic for any society. That's the first line. If you look at the second line, it shows the blessing. How blessed is the person who keeps the law? It says here, but blessed is he who keeps the law. In other words, if you make a connection to this parallel, having restraint, or when a society follows law or restraint, have a certain restraint, um, there is blessing there, and we know that to be true. The first line illustrated the importance of vision, while the second line expressed the importance of the law. Again, look at the parallel. And you'll see this in the Psalms and the Proverbs. Sometimes it's not one line after another. Some is a set of sentences, and the next set of sentences can be the opposite, but saying the same meaning or exactly the same. Now, furthermore, the writer made a connection between vision and the law. While, if you look, why? Because if you look at the first line, talked about prophetic vision, the second line talked about the law. Now, the two are related. I have seen companies use this verse, but forget the second part. They just talk about having a vision uh, in, in sales meetings. Manage, sales managers tell them, have a vision, meaning have a goal. Just have a goal in life. 
And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying if you're going to interpret the verse properly, properly, you cannot separate vision from the law of God. You cannot. And some have vision that has no connection with God's word. Their vision is just for themselves. It's a selfish vision, a selfish ambition, but their lives are not grounded or connected to God's word. Now, those two are related. Now, whenever you see the word law in the Old Testament, it also refers to the Old Covenant. So if you render this, but blessed is he who keeps the covenant, the covenant is a more encompassing thing. The law is part of the covenant. If you follow the law, you're following the covenant of God with Israel. Of course, how we would view this is not only the old covenant, but also the new covenant. So today, if we were to apply this, whatever vision we have must be grounded on both the Old and the New Testament. And remember, we have studied Hebrews that the New Testament is a fulfillment of the ceremonies of the Old Testament. But the civil law, take note, there are civil laws. The civil law of the Old Testament, which is still founded on the moral law, we have moral laws like the Ten Commandments. Uh, the law of the Philippines is still based on that. If you study the law, those who study law, you'll find a lot of fruits. You shall not steal your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbors, etc. You shall not lie. Uh, that's still covered by the law. Modern law. But the civil law in the Old Testament does not apply to us because it applied to Israel. Because there they have certain laws that, that's why when you study scripture, you have to study it in context. Who does this apply to? But the moral law continues to the New Testament. And you'll find that in the, in the writings of the apostles. It's still that God still hates idolatry. That's part of the moral law. God uh, does not like it when children dishonor their parents. That is still part of the moral law. So we, we follow, we still follow it. Now, Blessed is he who keeps the covenant or the law. Now, connect it with where there is no prophetic vision. Now, what's, what does that mean? In some translations, it's only vision. In other translations, it's prophetic vision. Now, let me just state that the prophets of the Old Testament, their major role was to point the people back to God's covenant. In essence, go back to the word, which is the same role as preachers do in the New Testament. We point people back. So when we say a preacher must be prophetic, doesn't mean he's a spooky prophetic like some are promoting. But more of showing God's word, the blessings and consequences of it. If you follow, if you don't follow, this will happen. And if you look at, the, at Jeremiah, at Isaiah, at Daniel and Daniel, Many of them, or all of them, pointed back to the law. Although God added, added revelation to them of certain things that will literally happen in the future. So if you look at this verse, we have to see it in the light of its immediate context. It's two lines that are connected. It's a parallel. It's a proverb. It's a work of poetry as well. 
but it must be complete. A proverb in Filipino, I think when I was in school, they called, I remember they called it salawikain, right? Um, sakit ng kalingkingan, sakit ng buong katawan. You remember that? Well, I'll translate in English. If your pinky hurts, your whole body hurts. Okay, not literally your whole body, but you are so affected when one part of your body hurts. And it is applied usually for organizations or church community or a small group. But imagine cutting it, the proverb in two. Wag mong tapusin yung salawikain. Wag mong tapusin, ha? Sakit ng kalingkingan. Tapos. It should not be because you did not convey the full meaning. You have to complete sakit ng kalingkingan, sakit ng buong katawan. Now here, you cannot stop where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. Where there is no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. Meaning they have no self-control. You can't stop there. You have to finish it. But blessed is he who keeps the law. So I hope when we use this verse, we will no longer misuse it for our own selfish advantage. Yes, you must have vision, but it must be vision grounded in the word of God, anchored in God's word. So here we see a contrast. The first part warns about chaos. Imagine a society without laws and they just do what they wanted. They get what they want, they offend whoever they want, they kill whoever they want, that's chaotic. The opposite is a blessing. When a person who follows the law, or if society, it implies, then they are blessed. Now, how do we apply the vision? The first point is, well, really to discuss to you the meaning of vision. And uh, we, so, again, uh, other translations render prophetic vision as one, divine revelation. Another translation says divine guidance. And others simply say vision. Now, again, a secular point of view might say that this is about developing your own vision in life. What is your purpose in life? And it is often related to career or business or your dreams, having a house and a nice car. Um, I'm not saying you can't, uh, you can't do that. You, can, you should have goals. I believe in that. But if you use this verse, if you want to use this vision properly in your life, you have to connect it to God's word. And that's why we study God's word. A vision is necessary for all individuals. Everyone must follow a vision. Why? Because if you don't, uh, you go in circles. You go in circles. You don't really improve. Okay. And some of you have vision and you're not going in circles. You're moving towards a goal. But the problem, if that's not connected with the vision of God in Scripture, then that is still incomplete. I like to say you are still disobedient to the vision of God. Whatever vision we have must be grounded in the vision of God. And later I will discuss what clearly the Bible states as the vision of God. Because we have become so individualistic like Western Christianity. 
It's about me isolated. I have my own plans. But if you look at the scripture and the New Testament, it's yes, we may have our own plans, but the plan of God is always before us. So things I do in my business, I have to ask the question, can this be grounded in the truth of God in such a way that the vision of God takes preeminence in my life still? That's why I do prefer having business partnerships who have the same vision. So if we earn money and the business, we prefer a business that addresses a social need, and if we do earn money, we all have an agreement already what belongs to God and what belongs to us. It is first set from the start. And that gives us a sort of freedom and knowledge, a security in the knowledge that God's vision is still in front of us before anything else that is the priority. So if we have a vision where we do not include the vision of God or not, not making it first, then I pray we renew our minds, as Romans 12 says. We have to be renewing our minds. That means changing your mind, improving your mind. You know that change and improvement are the same, but not all, all improvement means change. There is change, but change that may also be change for the worse. But what we hope for, if it is anchored on God, that we improve ourselves. May, we, may I also say to the singles, what is your vision in your personal life? What is your vision even in marriage? Now, many of us go with a romantic feeling or the Western park. You like her, pursue her. But what about the part where does this person align with me in God's vision? Do they have a passion for God's vision or they just care about themselves? So that is a question, and I believe a marriage where God is first has more blessing. Blessed is he who keeps the law or keeps the covenant. We must have a vision, but that vision must be grounded in. Now, the verse also spoke about point number two, vision and the people. Without the vision, people will do whatever pleases them. When you wake up in the morning, if you have goals, it helps to do what you must do rather than just enjoy yourselves. Because the, the tendency of humans is to, well, to hopefully take it easy all the time and not work and not do anything. But some of us have a vision and some of us learned to have a vision, at least you have a small, if a lot of you who got married and had children, at least you have a small vision, what was to take care of this child, right? <laughs> then you are moved to do whatever you can to take care of them. That's, that's in a way a kind of vision. And God has put that in our hearts. Of course, we may, our application might be wrong. That's why we say, Lord, guide me as a parent because I could be wrong. And that's where a church unity should help. We should learn to listen to one another and gain wisdom from one another. Now, um, but without a vision, you don't care. You don't care about anything. You care about yourself. 
that's why it's a good practice, you know, in, 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 in the Gospels, there, Jesus there mentioned that if you are faithful in somebody else's, then you will be rewarded your own. You know what that means? It's really not being selfish. Can you be a blessing in somebody else's organization? Are you willing to serve somebody else and help them? And you will be blessed on your own. Whereas many of us are not inclined to that. If, allow me to speak unspiritually, but practically. Um, I wrote a draft of a book and I showed it to one very successful individual. And he gave his comments on the book. And it's a, it's a chapter where it says how to build good connections. And my advice there is to help people, not only those who can't help themselves, but people who, who are well off, but they need something. And don't help without getting anything in return. This, despite whoever they are, they can't afford you, they can afford you, but have that element that you're willing to help. You give that element, because I've tried it several times, and by God's grace, we were blessed by good contacts, because I didn't want to earn from everybody. I just said, okay, let me help you. And because of that, the trust level went up, and then there's a lot of favor that came my way without me even asking for it. So, in terms of that, a vision, a vision to help people actually helps you in a manner of speaking. You know that that's also true scripturally in the sense that, well, even in the modern world or even in ancient wisdom, that if you sow what is good, somehow, in God's way, he will allow you to reap it as well. Now, if you have a vision of blessing people, by God's grace, I believe there is a way that the Lord will uh, bless you in return. But if you're only concerned about your present problem and issues, the more your world gets smaller and smaller and smaller because you're only looking for people who can help you. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, this does not benefit me. Why should I? But the best is what I call reciprocity, how we help one another. Um, but not everybody understands that. You extend the help, but not everybody helps back. And you have to understand that. So you help one another, and then you try to reach them for some help. And then what does the phone say? Cannot be reached. Right? So I heard my father made a joke. Oh, I don't think he's a corrupt because he cannot be rich. <laughs> and some of you don't understand that you could have had opportunities, but you shut off the world and people. That's why you cannot be rich. And I'm talking not only rich materially, but rich emotionally, in friendship, in, in reciprocity. Reciprocity is building one another. Now, going back here, vision and the people, forgive me, let me go back. That was a side note to those watching. It's for my church, all right? <laughs> Not necessarily for you, but let's go back to context. Without a vision, people will do whatever they please. 
And if people do not exercise restraint, there will be chaos in the land. On the other hand, there is order when people practice self-control or restraint. And society will experience peace, thus the need for a vision. Again, let me say that the phrase used in the ESV is prophetic vision because the prophets of the Old Testament, the vision is really to go back to obeying God. It's not always the vision of the future. It's mainly the vision of going back to God. And I pray that all of us will always have that vision. If you feel you're far from God, the vision is to go back to God first. I know you have problems, but that's not the priority. The priority is to go back to God. And when we say go back to God, do not trust in your own understanding. It has to be based on the scriptures. That's why we desire to learn. We're willing to learn. Now, even in an organization or a church, if the vision is not clear, if the vision is not grounded in God's word, including our local church, there will be disorder. Because what, but when the vision is clear, you know whether you want to stay or join or leave. It helps you. And it helps me. It helps me with people. Are you going to follow this vision? This is our direction. If not, you're still welcome here, but please do not participate if it's not in your heart. And I'm okay with that. You're also not my priority here. Simple as that. Why? Because the leader must have a vision and must rally the people towards the vision. And the vision that we must have as a church, we as a people, again, must be grounded in God's word. Now, our application is let us anchor our faith in the Holy Scriptures. Again, in the Bible. Our faith in Christ leads to obedience, which is partially a restraint to evil, but obedience is not simply restraint. The other side of obedience is the proactive side of fulfilling the vision. So obedience is not only don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. The other part of obedience is do this and this and this. Some people think they're righteous because I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not lying. I'm not committing adultery. That's not the complete picture of obedience. Faith, obedience that is rooted in faith includes what must I do that the Lord commands? It's not only don't do this, it's also do this. Parents, it's like at home. You want your children not to do certain things, but you also want them to do certain things, like help out in certain areas. It's the same scripturally. It's not only I'm not doing anything bad, no, but you're not also doing anything good. And for you, good is what? just giving my money, or good is you help somebody when they're in need. You read the Bible and you will see that's not even the main emphasis, although that is part of it. Now, every family, fathers, mothers, single parents, every family should have a vision of serving the Lord. And how do you do that? Communication. You communicate to children and you pray. And knowing that you are not perfect, you even ask the prayers of your children that the Lord will guide you and give you the heart to obey Him. Now, it's a good thing. 
there is a brother of us who's not with us because his work is at sea. Like many, there, there are many Nagüeños who are like that. But then we said to him, you have to do what you can to make disciples and send us a picture. So every week he sends a picture of his shipmates in a room and then uh, they're, they're, they're doing discipleship. They're studying God's word. And he was willing, because he was willing to be trained. I, I, I remember long ago, I had a very short training here. And I had a sort of some materials to give away. And one of our sisters here had those materials. And then suddenly, she couldn't find the material. It was gone. It was because the brother husband took it. She, he was in a hurry and he just picked it up so that he had something to use to teach others. And I said, praise God. Um, because if God fills you with his word and his spirit, you're uneasy not to do anything. You're uneasy. You have to say, Lord, what, what is my life for? What is my life for in connection with you, Lord? Because you are my father. You are my God. What is my life for in connection with you? And friends, you cannot do that alone. That's why please be faithful in your small groups and encourage your small group leaders to participate in his small group leaders. Those are the small groups. Now we have church-wide activities. Of course, that was so limited because of the pandemic. In fact, some of you feel like some of our elders. In our last meeting, some of our elders want to bring back the singing. And some of you feel that, right? Oh, when can we sing again? And of course, one of the doctor elders says, wait. <laughs> wait, okay? So since we recognize whoever is expert in the board, we lean towards that expertise. So we have one expert there who is in the medical community and says, this is the talk of the town among the medical community. Wait, let's assess. Let's wait till January 15 and let's assess and see what happens after that. So to those of you who want the singing to be back, maybe we can do some singing, but not this crowd. It's too many. Do you know that singing, I mean, opening the mouth can reach up to, I read this in, the, in one of the university sites about the research in, in COVID. Uh, I think it was one of the, state universities in the states that was a repository of research for that it says that that a if somebody speaks like me my saliva can reach 30 feet okay so i said oh wow so we really have to have our masks and we really have to be covered if one somebody's singing and we're all quiet maybe we can secure this person but then if everybody's singing, what's going to happen? You know, your masks have spaces on the side, right? So what's going to happen? It's just... I don't want to do that, all right? Um, but yes, but hopefully by God's grace we'll get there. Now going back to my point, there are church-wide activities that it would be good for you to participate in so we may grow. And that's also where you meet people. Like 
well, I hope this year we can study a long a book once again because before we had two days of Roman road, we studied the book of Romans, chapter 1 and chapter 2. This year, uh, we're going to bring you through some doctrines, maybe 30 plus doctrines. We'll invite you here, maybe Holy Week. Okay, Holy Week, when you're available, hopefully you're available, that we'll have a sit down and we'll go one by one in the, with these doctrines. Now, the thing with doctrines, that's why I wanted book study first, because every verse we quote there means we have assessed the whole Bible with that verse. Okay, so that, that's why they say, some seminary professor says, that's the most difficult thing to do. Okay, but some do not respect that. They haphazardly collect verses just by opening a concordance without studying each verse's context. Now that is dangerous. Now we hope to invite you because by being together, you train the mind. Now, I'd like to say this so you can have a vision to learn because the word disciple is a learner. It's also a follower, but it's also a learner follower. Okay, but, but some of us don't have that vision because we have we have surrendered to the fact that we will never be intelligent. That's so sad, you know. And this society, not only not, not necessarily ours, but this generation, there's a lot, a lot of people who bash intelligent, intelligence. Intelligence bashing, because we are so insecure of intelligence that when we hear an intelligent statement, we want to be sarcastic about it, rather than Solve it as a puzzle. What in the world did he say? What does that mean? One part is having the heart to understand. So I hope you have not given up, but say, Lord, by your grace, we can learn to learn and we may grow. So a vision, vision and the people. So we have to anchor ourselves. Every family must have a vision, every individual. But that vision, once again, must be anchored on the word of God. So let me share to you some of our church community's vision because it's, it's something, okay, let me just share to you what did the Bible say. Jesus said, all right, you are my witnesses, and he mentioned about the suffering, death, and resurrection, which is the heart of the gospel. And he said, proclaim repentance for forgiveness of sins to all the nations, to all ethne, to all ethnic groups, that's a vision. Matthew's version of that is go and make disciples of all nations, of all ethnic, ethnic groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8's version, still Luke, who wrote Luke, wrote Acts 1.8, that, that you shall have power, and what the purpose of that power is, you shall be my witnesses. And he talked about geographical territory, starting from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. But then there's also the vision for the church, which is Ephesians 4, which is that's why there are leaders, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to equip the people, the saints, the Christians, to do the work of ministry. So the one vision, another vision that we don't look at so much, is God wanted every member to be equipped to serve so that they will do the works of service that we may all grow up 
to maturity in Christ, the stature of Christ, so that we may all, so that's another vision, to all, everybody to grow in maturity in Christ, so that we are fitted together, fitted, so we are connected with one another, speaking the truth in love, but not easily moved by every wind of doctrine. So we are strong scripturally. We don't believe everything we hear. I hope you don't believe everything you hear from me. You check me. You remember Berean? But then when you check me, don't be quick to conclude. If you see another version, talk to me. Because usually before I preach to you, I looked at the different perspectives before I bring it down to you. If you remember, I would tell you, some say this, some say this, some say this, but our inclination is this. Or some say this, 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 but it, it actually means the same thing if you look at the context. So if you have that, you don't react and say, ah, oh, I found something. Talk to me. I love that. It's where divine controversies happen. Recently, the board was discussing something very interesting, but I will not divulge it to you. But it was a very interesting discussion about a certain issue in Christendom basically between the Presbyterians and the Baptists. So, but it is very interesting. But I'll get you into that discussion later on. Now, lastly, last point is vision and the law. Again, people should anchor every vision, vision on scripture. Respect for the law or the covenant produces a blessed people, a blessed people. A godly direction based on the futuristic plan of God avoids people going in circles with their lives. Now, what's the futuristic plan of God? As I mentioned, this gospel must be preached to all ethnic, all ethnic groups. Now, you, you would see in Revelations in the future, what? It says there that every tongue, tribe, and nation will be worshiping the Lamb. It means we will succeed. With, I don't know how. We don't know the how. God unveils that slowly, but, well, the how is to preach, but the details, we don't know all the details. We just keep doing God's work. It means we will succeed in making disciples of all nations. The church worldwide will succeed in that. So what do we do? We stay on vision. Now, others would say, oh, because that will happen. I don't have to do anything because that will happen. They like the song, I like that song, but it means it's a different context, right? <laughs> if you exegete the song with its literary context, it's a little girl saying, Mommy, will I be pretty? And Mommy says, What will be, will be. You don't apply that in terms of, will God fulfill the mission? Yes, he will. Then you say, que sera, sera. No, you say, what's my part there, Lord? That's it. Proactively participating. Because if you're truly saved by grace and saved, regenerated by the Spirit in your heart, you say, Lord, I want to participate in your plan. I want to trust you. I want to be part of it. In the old covenant, there was the law. Now, in the new covenant, Christ is the fulfillment of the law. Therefore, believers follow Christ, which includes repentance and faith. What is repentance? Lord, I turn away from my sin. I believe in you. I trust in you for my salvation. 
Will you be perfect after that? Nobody is. But you have, but the Spirit has given you that firm decision. I want to leave my sin. You will struggle perhaps. Well, you will, not perhaps. But then you are decided. But as you go on, you find that the Word of God and the Spirit of God gives you strength. And steadily you mature. And steadily you overcome a lot of these temptations by the grace of God. Yet, not forgetting that we are all sinners. You know, the first part, if you are truly going to be saved, is the understanding that you are a sinner like everybody else. No moral, uh, you're not on a moral pedestal. I'm not like them. No, but if you understand, one sin has enough weight for the judgment of God to be upon you. You lied once, that has enough weight to condemn you to everlasting damnation and hellfire. But then if you admit, I am a sinner, Lord, and your heart is broken about it, you don't say, well, everybody sins. Your heart is not broken. That's not true. You're not a believer. You are not. Because a true believer knows, even if the Lord has transformed him, always recognizes that he or she is a filthy sinner that needs a Savior, that needs Christ. And the command is Christ that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be preached. So what is that? Forgiveness. And one sign is repentance. Because if you repent, it means you truly have faith. Now, what is God's prophetic plan? The answer is related to the mission, proclaiming the gospel and making disciples of all nations. Therefore, every personal direction we have should align with the mission that God gave us, as I shared to you. The mission, the vision for the church to grow and mature. Spiritual where members are equipped to serve. That's a vision for the church. And that's our vision for our local church community. The vision to make disciples of all ethne, of course, that means we have proclaimed. We participate in the global enterprise of God to proclaim. But eventually there's even a bigger picture but I don't want to discuss it in detail to you, that God through his saints, through his people, would what? Inherits what? The cosmos. But again, let's not discuss that. That's too big for us right now. Oh yeah, the plan of God is humanity, but humanity in relation to what? To everything he created. Amen? Everything he created. So we must proclaim the gospel and make disciples of all nations, included are every believer's growth and spiritual maturity within a community of believers, the local church. So may I invite all of us to grow? I want to grow spiritually. Will you join us in this journey? Because none of us are complete. But by doing it together, one, it gives us a better sense of a body of Christ, means a sense of I'm not alone, a sense of security as well, a sense of you can talk with somebody as well if your life is burdened, and we hopefully, we can listen. And you may contact us as pastors or, or our wives who are equipped to listen and pray for you or your growth group leader first, but we are more than willing to pray with you 
But with what? With the vision that we may proclaim the gospel clearly to you, and with the vision that we are all we all become true disciples of Christ. That's the context of why we do what we do. So whatever you're doing, you're studying for a career, ask, what am I to do now to be part of God's vision and mission? What should I do now? Then you can ask, what can I do in the future once I fulfill this goal? But then you can also ask, Lord, is this, is, is this your plan for me? Whatever it is, Lord, let me know. Why? Because we have vision, but that vision must be grounded in Scripture. What is prophetic vision for us in the New Testament? The prophetic vision is what will be fulfilled. We have seen through the corridors of time by reading Revelations, the book of Revelations, and it says there that every nation, every ethnic group, and we are called to make disciples of all ethnic. And the, the elders have agreed in principle that we have this uh, partnership. Well, in principle, because the details are not yet there, in partnership with some of my former students, well, in fact, all of my former students in the Doctor of Ministry class, to say that they're from India, Bangladesh, and the Philippines. The main reason is they're closer to the unreached people's group. There are 2,000 unreached, 2,000 ethnic groups that has not heard the name Jesus. And it's not like us here where where we are dealing with a Catholic background who actually believes in the suffering, death, and resurrection, but they don't know what repentance and faith is because for them, salvation is still by works. It's a point system or a system where you, you have to do more good works and penance and etc. and buying indulgences and following certain sacraments. But we tell them, no, Scripture says, Jesus said, it's repentance and faith. Now, put that in a different context. Put that... In India, where it's Hindu and Muslim, it's harder to penetrate with the gospel. So why do we as a church partner with them? We are closer then. They make us feel closer in helping directly the unreached of their place. So by God's grace, the vision is to have a partnership where we can support them. And they can also teach us. Why? Come on. That's a tough place to do ministry. I have more to learn than they can learn from me. So that will be a blessing for us as well. And I speak to some of you. Some of you have, are professionals. Some of you earn well. Some of you are not earning well. But I'm happy to see that a lot of you that I know here have a vision to serve the Lord and your family to serve the Lord. And some of you have desired that your wealth will be used by God. Or some of you say, well, I'm not that rich, but a portion of what I, I have, I want to bless the work of God. And some of you say, I don't know how, but teach me. I want to learn. And that is a blessing. And that is the vision that we want for this church community. And some of you say, Brother Ed, younger guys, some of you call me Kuya Ed. How do I choose a wife? Ah, very good question, but a very difficult question to answer. I bring you back to scripture. Does she have a vision for God? Does he have a vi she have a vision for what? Making disciples, proclaiming the gospel, and growing as a church. And vice versa. Does he have that vision? Some of the things we inject. Why is that important? Well, I heard my wife 
one time spoke to a group of women based on this verse. You remember that one translation says, without a vision, people perish. So she said to the women, young women, marry a man with a vision, because if you do not, you will perish. <laughs> I shared to you right now a piece of poetry called Vision and Scripture. Wisdom warned us of its absence, encouraged us of its presence. More than just a person's passion, it is something that we call vision. Without it, the people perish. Thus vision, let us all cherish. With vision and law, we are blessed. God's law prevents chaotic stress. Make sure what you draw in pictures should be anchored in the scriptures. Otherwise, we will do whatever sounds nice but not very clever. Vision under divine guidance. That is our clear and firm stance. Through the scriptures and the spirit as a church, we shall fulfill it. Each person must have Christ's vision, raring to fulfill the mission. To proclaim and make disciples the gospel to all the peoples. Let us all rise and let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing us to understand the simple structure and understanding of the verse. That it's not just about having vision, but having a vision that is connected to your covenant. It's not a vision just for the self or just for the family. It's a vision for your purpose. To fulfill it by your grace to accomplish it by your grace you are good although it may seem impossible for us because we feel very small and incapable yet by your abundant grace and by your spirit who empowers us and with your word that guides us in every way like a lamp unto our feet, we have the confidence in Christ. Align our vision for our families, our church community, our small groups, all aligned to you, not to any man. And let this church's vision always be faithful to yours to make disciples, to proclaim repentance for the forgiveness of sins and to grow everybody into maturity, to be in the journey to be spiritually mature in Christ, and that we may speak truth to, to one another in love and yet connect us with one another relationally. And we pray that we will be so knowledgeable of Scripture that we are not easily fooled by every wind of doctrine. Be glorified in our midst, be glorified in our lives, Give us prophetic vision, O Lord, for your glory in Jesus' name. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of his Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Good morning.